0: okay Shalom everybody is that other <laughs> just restarting he's, he's calling already my friend one second yeah you're're you're, you're live on the shear now everyone can hear you I'm in the uh, no, I'm in the alley yeah yeah uh, 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 Facebook with zoom mm-hmm. um Wow. First of all, I have to hug this person. I send, I send it also. This is being recorded, by the way. Yeah, <inaudible> 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 oh,
1: when, I never met this person. We know each other only online. Look at this. You, you're a big guy.
0: And this is your daughter. Wow. Oh, welcome to our, our, our cute hangout here. I'm happy to be <inaudible> here. Baruch Hashem. Unbelievable. <inaudible> Unbelievable. I'm on the telephone, Helen. Beautiful people, beautiful people. All right. remember you, you you, you're being recorded here. We're <laughs> live. Okay, we're on live. Okay, shalom everybody. You uh, doing vodka? We want to uh, open up an amazing story that everybody knows from the Gemara in Shabbat. The Gemara talks about a convert who came before Shammai. And he stood on one foot. The Gemara says, it's illustrating, he stood on one foot and he said the following, I want you to convert me on condition before I fall that you can tell me the whole Torah in one phrase, in one sentence, while standing on a foot. You know the Gemara, everyone knows the Gemara, okay? So what does the Gemara say? The Gemara says that Shammai threw at the convert what's called Amata Binyan. The Gemara tells us what type of a stick, a builder's, Stick. Okay, the Gemara is precise in every word. <laughs> I mean, what do I care what type of a stick? But the Gemara says what type of a stick Shammai threw at the convert? Not happy, uh, not satisfied. Because like Shammai was telling him, "Get out of here! I'm not going to convert you like that." He went to Hillel. The exact same scenario and, and, and portrait here that he's standing on one foot. Teach me the whole Torah. While standing on one foot. And what did the what did Hillel say to the convert? This is very simple. Whatever you would not do to yourself, don't do to others, which on the spot, Rashi says there in the Gemara, this is what Rabbi Akiva said, Amar Rabbi Akiva, le'reacha kamocha, klal gadol batora. In other words, what Rabbi Akiva said, love your neighbor as yourself. This is a big rule of the whole Torah. That's the whole Torah, and everything else is commentary on that. Okay? so the Magid of Mizrich, the main disciple of the Baal Shem Tov he asks a few questions question number one why does the Gemara have to illustrate why does the, does the, in the, in the Gemara why does the convert and why are we told that he illustrates while standing on one foot he could have simply just said Shammai, give me the whole Torah in one phrase why also to, to portray, to depict an image that he's standing on one foot that's question number one question number two why does the Gemara tell us what type of a stick Shammai threw at the convert? What, Shammai is in the middle of like building his sukkah? And then the guy came? And he throws the, he throws the builder's stick? Wait, what's going on? Number three, what type of answer is this from Hillel? You know, it sounds like very hippie, fine and dandy, love and harmony. How, the Torah is big. You know, the Torah is humongous. It's not just like a, a few halachot. It's also the Zohar, the Kabbalah, the Midrash, the Gemara, the Halachot, the, the Yerushalmi, the Mishnayot, it doesn't end, Tanakh, and all the commentaries, and all the Rishonim, all the Achronim. the Torah is vast, and you tell us the whole Torah is in one sentence, of to love your fellow Jew as yourself, you know how, what's the connection? The Maggit says like this, something amazing, he says like this, the converts he recognized that the truth is in the Torah, the truth is in Judaism, the truth is in serving Hashem. But he couldn't stand that a Jew has to go through so many ups and downs in life. Everybody has ups and downs. But by us, Am it's Yisrael, very, it's very pronounced. It's very, very, it's very deep. Ya'alu shamayim, yerdu We go up to the high, we have a big high, and then we crash. Okay? They have an expression in Yiddish that one day a person's like a malach, Pam Malach, Pam Galach. One day a person's an angel, Malach, and one day he's like a priest. Galach in Yiddish is a priest. (laughs) He goes from extreme to extreme. One day a Jew's having a high. He wakes up on time. He goes to davening. His learning is great. His work is great. Everyone's smiling at work. He closed on a very good deal and everything is amazing. And then that, the next day, crash. He wakes up late. He misses the bus. Somebody squirts at him. Somebody laughs at him. He slips. A dog barks him. Whatever, you know. All types of things to make him feel... Upside down, what happened? This is what the convert couldn't handle. He said, I don't want the downs. I just want up and up and up and up to go upwards. I don't want to have downs. So before I fall, what he's illustrating, I'm standing on one foot, before I fall, convert me. On condition, no downs, I want to have it easy in life. I want to be a Jew, I want to serve Hashem, no problem. But I want to go and advance. And advance, I don't want setbacks. I don't want setbacks, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a struggle, it's a challenge, great, let's go forward. Okay, it's a challenge, I have to do this, I have to advance, I'm willing to sacrifice, but I don't want to have the setbacks in life, I don't want to go backwards. So Shammai threw at him this type of stick, which is called Amatabinyan. What's an Amatabinyan? It's very complicated to understand exactly how Rashi explains it, but because of the curvature of the world, the world is curved, no building in the world is perfect by the millimeter ending. Everything has a bit or to the right or to the left. You can't have a building that's like 99 uh, millimeters to the, to the, to to the fraction finishing at the corner. You start the next section of the building. Everything has just a little bit of extra or too much or too less. So he's hinting to him with this type of stick. You see sometimes the building finishes to the right too much, a little bit even. Or to the left, so too in life. Sometimes it's chesed, it's good. Right is, is chesed, is love, harmony. Or it's to the left, it's sad, it's upside down. Okay? He said, I can't convert you unless you accept the ups and downs. That sometimes it's yamin on the right, which is chesed, it's good. And sometimes it's to the left, which is dinim, difficulties, harshment, judgments, setbacks, etc. The convert didn't accept it, no way. If it's all going to be fun, I'm not interested. So he went to hillel okay hillel had a different approach hillel was able to show to the convert that falling backwards in life is of the greatest benefit it's even greater than advancing the biggest advance is when a person goes backwards so in this the maggot message goes into a bit of kabbalah to explain the secrets of a convert and about Shuva. What is the secret of a, of a convert and about Shuvah, by the way? More of a convert. Let's go into a convert. The Arizal teaches that converts are basically in neshamot of Jewish, they're Jewish neshamot. That's why they're called Ben Avram Avinu and Ben Sarai Menu. They're the sons of Avram and Sarah because they're really a Jewish neshamah. Just that, because of actions and previous reincarnations, their mission is to come back in this specific setting this challenge and to break through from it to come back to the roots the real roots that's the idea of a, of a convert okay so now Hillel going back to the story Hillel was showing the convert why are you coming to me now why didn't you come to me 10 years ago 5 years ago a year ago why did you wake up all of a sudden only now and now you, you're interested in coming back to Hashem what woke you up what woke you up so the, the, the muggit explains like this, that when a Jew goes up and then goes down, it's like a trampoline. How does a trampoline work? How does a trampoline work? Trampoline, no, uh, drop, just, no, 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 no. Now. If you go up, if you go up, let's say level plus five, so you have to go down minus five. But how the trampoline works is once you go minus five, when you go back up, where do you go now? Plus six, it goes higher. But now you go low to minus six. And now when you go to minus six, you go higher, plus seven and I go down, minus seven, so the higher you go, the lower you go, but the higher you go, okay, that's how it works in Judaism, kol gadol mechavero, gadol mimenu, the higher a person is, in his level, he has the biggest yetzahara, in other words, don't think, you know, when you see the chafetz Chaim, smiling, you don't think, ah oh, he was born a tzaddik, he was born on the top of the mountain, no one is born on top of the mountain, the, the Gemara says even, the biggest tzaddikim, they have a burning yetzahara. Like it says in the Gemara, there, there was a fire, Amram was screaming, there's a fire inside. But he was able to control it. The tzaddikim have the biggest yetzahara, yes. Not like you think, ah, he's a tzaddik, he can't fall. Yeah, it's like it's, it's, it's His just opposite, his test is so much greater. What's the thing? That he has major mastery and control over the situation. If I was given for a second the yetzahara of big tzaddikim, I wouldn't last even for a, a split second. It wouldn't work what's the thing as they're holding at a level where they have the capacity to take it in to hold with it okay so this is judaism it's up and down up and down so now people are very far whether it's about shuva or like we said in converts in this case okay their soul is in sleep mode let's say at minus 100 minus 1000 let's see so now you have a jew in bnei Brak, let's say for example the Magi doesn't say Bnei Brak, but it's an idea. Let's take, let's take someone from Bnei Brak. I got Shimon. I said, Shimon from Bnei Brak. He's struggling to serve Hashem. So one day he wakes up on time and he has an amazing day in serving Hashem. And in the middle of the day has a crash that brings him down. But he gets back up and he starts again. We have a joke in Brestlev that we say we like drinking 7-up. Seven 7-up seven is a Brestlev drink. Sheva yippor va vakam. 7-up. Sheva, a sadik falls 7 times and he gets up. You got that? Like, you're not smiling. Man, okay. Chef 7 up. So Shimon gets back up. He has that down. You know, the day started amazing, and in the middle of the day, up, down, up, down. He keeps on getting back up. So, what happens is this Shimon is struggling. He goes up plus 10, he goes down minus 11, then he goes up plus 11, he goes minus 12, and it's the trampoline effect, okay? Eventually, he reaches plus 1,000, but he goes down to minus 1,000. And when he goes down to minus 1,000, he taps into and connects those sleeping nishamut. You have nishamot of, of Yirin, of Jews, holy souls, which are sleeping at minus 1,000. Okay? So when this Shimon goes down to minus 1,000, his light, he has light even when he goes down. Why does he have light? Why does every Jew have light when he goes down? Because he has the potential to go back up. If he has the potential to go back up, that means he carries the light with him wherever he goes. Right? The light of a Jew goes in any darkness. No such thing as right? Even I go in the pathways of, of uh, the valley of death, I will not fear because you're with me. There's a light with a Jew wherever he goes. Okay? So now what happens when this Shimon goes to minus 1,000, his light wakes up all the sleepy souls so that when Shimon goes back up okay, he pulls up with him, all these other people, all these neshama that are sleeping he pulls up with him this is what Hillel was telling the convert, Ve'ahavta just like this Shimon helped you to come now why are you coming now to convert? because someone else, a Shimon struggled in his ups and downs, he went down to your level, woke you up pulled you up with him That is the greatest. That is the greatest. So, in other words, just like others helped you to get back now and wake up now, can have this, not now. Just like others helped you to to be where you are right now to wake up, so too in your struggle, when you become a Jew, you will have ups and downs to help other people. Okay, this is how the Magid takes this simple Gemara that we all know, very simple story, and opens up to the secret of life. Okay. Rabbi Nachman goes a step forward on the idea of ups and downs and he says something phenomenal we'll go into this step by step, okay? step by step and we will also connect it to the partial of the week, Bezat Hashem he says like this that the starting point of everybody whether it's in the morning, every morning whether it's in the period of life your starting point, wherever you start is what's called in the klipot you start off with a disadvantage everyone starts off in darkness, that's how it is, Hashem created, look in Parashat Barashit, the day, the Jewish day starts from the night, we don't start in the morning, by the world, by society, the day starts in the morning, by, by Judaism, the, the day, Shabbat, when Shabbat Shabbat doesn't start Saturday morning, Shabbat starts Friday night, at the beginning of the onset of darkness, that's the beginning of the day, that's how it is in life always, a Jew starts in darkness, that's the starting point. The starting point is in the khoshekh, Okay, Why is it like that? Because we have a job. The Arizal explains, we are here for a mission. We're here to collect what's called holy sparks, nitzotzot, holy sparks which are spread throughout the creation. Hashem created this world, trapped in this world. The world is called olam. Olam in Hebrew translates as a ha'alama, concealment. This world is hiding something. What is this world hiding? The holiness that's trapped inside. How do I elevate it? How, does we, how do we work on elevating them? With the performance of the mitzvah. The word mitzvah is a very fascinating word. Mitzvah is not just from the Hebrew word to mean a commandment, tzivui, but mitzvah also means tzavat, a connector. The mitzvah is what connects this world back to the spiritual, to Hashem. I think it's the Ramak, I don't remember exactly who, I have to go back. But if you look at the letters Mem Tzadik Vavhe, which make up the word mitzvah, the Vavhe of Mitzvah corresponds to the Vavhe in Hashem's name. Hashem is Yudke Vavke. The Vavke in Vavhe of Mitzvah is taken from the Vavke of Yudke Vavke. And what's mem tzadik? Mem tzadik in a gematria which is called Atbash. Atbash means we take the 22 hebrew letters of the alphabet and we fold them okay so that means there's 11 aleph bet gimel dalet until until lamed kaf sorry until yud kaf until kaf and then afterwards from lem, lamed to tav 22 letters we fold them like this so that aleph corresponds to the last letter tav at so aleph and tav and then you have bet and shin when you do it like that mem corresponds to yud and sadik corresponds to hey so you have in the word mitzvah hidden yudke from Hashem's name but and revealed is the vavke the vavke the Arisal explains is the idea of the Shekhinah our access to the mitzvot that are trapped in this world they correspond to the vavke of the mitzvah and then we elevate it to the mem tzaddik which is the beginning part which is unaccessible yudke in the Kabbalah is reference to Hashem's essence compared to us and that is untouchable in this world. That's why it's covered up in Mem Tzadik. We don't say explicitly in the mitzvah, Yud Kei Ke, But yes, every mitzvah is connected with HaKadosh Baruch Hu directly. We're just reconnecting it back. We're bringing it back. Meaning, whenever you take anything in this world and do a mitzvah with it, which is abracha, okay, Tzitzit, like we mentioned before, the six Mitzvah that you do by even thinking from the Mishnah Bura that we mentioned earlier, right? Anytime you do a mitzvah, you're basically reconnecting the world back to Hashem. This is our mission. Our mission is to collect all the sparks. And there are a lot of sparks. The proof is we're still in Galut. <laughs> we're still in Galut, almost 6,000 years. <coughs> <coughs> <Sorry>. <coughs> and there's tons of sparks. And plus, okay, I'm okay, No, Okay? Plus, when people do in more bad, Let's say it causes more sparks to fall and be trapped. Okay, so we have a lot of work to do until Mashiach comes finally. That's the mission. Thanks, Pesad. All right, so we have this job of elevating sparks. How do we elevate them? By doing the mitzvot, but it's not enough. If a Jew does a mitzvah and he doesn't propel it, you know, you do a mitzvah, but you want it to go up. You can do a mitzvah, great, but it has to go up what pushes a mitzvah upwards, it's how you do the mitzvah, like we spoke about earlier it's the simcha in doing the mitzvot, which pushes the mitzvot up, there's a story about the Baal Shem Tov HaKadosh, the Baal Shem Tov was once with his disciples and they came into a, they went to they were in the village, and they came to Abay Midrash Abay Knesset Adavin, and the Baal Shem Tov was walking before the students he reached the, the mezuzah, he put his hand on the mezuzah and he froze and the students are behind him and they say, Rabbeinu, why aren't you going in? He said, I can't. He said, What do you can't? He says, the, the, the room is filled, packed solid. They looked in the room, nobody's in the Said nobody's in the me Midrash. They said, Rabbeinu, why aren't you going in? There's nothing, no one here. He said, You don't understand, the people's words of the prayers, they're stuck in the air. <laughs> they're stuck in the air of the room, they're not going up. It's stuck down here, I have no room to get in. There's so many words of prayers that are dead. They're doing, they're davening everything, but it's not done with the simcha and the chayud, the life that it's needed. So all the words, and the prayers are stuck in the room, I can't get in even. Alright? What's needed is that a Jew does what he's doing in the mitzvah, to be simcha, to elevate. Okay? doesn't mean now that when a Jew does a mitzvah and he's down, that there's no mitzvah. Like we said earlier, if you remember, there's the. There's the, mitzv- there's the reward for doing a mitzvah, and there's the reward for doing the mitzvah with joy. It's, it's considered a, a, a greater mitzvah even than the mitzvah itself, is the joy in doing the mitzvah, okay? So what happens when a person does a mitzvah with joy? It causes what's called momentum. Momentum. What's momentum? Momentum is that the mitzvah now activates arousal in the world towards Hashem. That all of a sudden, when a Jew does a mitzvah with joy, and he's strong in it, all of a sudden it has vibrations, that so that his surrounding, the people around him, the environment, all around, they're also now speaking about Hashem, There's all, they're also conducive to go forward to Hashem. He sees around him that his surrounding is not against, but it's pushing and, and being influenced by what he's doing. A mitzvah you do shakes the whole world, okay? Mm-hmm. Rabbi Nachman proves it from the Pasuk, mm-hmm. uvivkarenu He said, Moshe told Paro, mm-hmm. you know, Paro said, you, paro, you Moshe keep on bugging me, nudging me to leave Egypt, that the Jews can uh, offer the, the Pesach, the Korban Pesach. Who's going? Mm-hmm. Mi mi Paro asked, who's going? So what did, what, what did Moshe say? We're going everybody. Binareinu u'bizkenenu nelech With our children, our young, young, young ones and our elders, we're going to go. With our sheep and our cattle, everyone's going. So he shows that the mitzvah of the Korban Pesach caused what's called halicha, movement, walking. Moshe said twice, u'bizkenenu nelech We're going to go, and then with, this, with the sheep and the cattle, we're going to go. Meaning what? Everything is, is aroused now. In other words, the children, the adults, they're aroused to serve Hashem, to do the Korban Pesach, and also even the animals, the sheep and the cattle, they're also aroused. (laughs) He shows from this idea that a mitzvah, when done with joy, it shakes. It gets things moving. You see it on a personal level also. It's not so far and so, like uh, what's it called, untangible, this idea. That if now a Jew in his personal life is working on being positive and doing what he's doing positive, it has vibrations. Yes, his surrounding becomes more what's it called, uh, beneficial to his goal. He sees that things around him are helping him now. Not against them. No, you want to be holy and religious? We're going to show you. It's no longer that. When a Jew does a mitzvah b'simcha, okay, it has a push forward. You see a lot. I see this a lot also. Many Balchuvas, they start off with Dinim. You know, have to do chuva because they came from a very scary past, a very difficult background. So when finally... they're they're doing tshuva, the normal attitude about tshuvas is dinim, and believe it or not, because their attitude of being rigid and strict and harsh and judgment, that itself causes their difficulties. You hear this? What causes them to have a hard time is because they took on a harsh attitude. I have to do tshuva, I'm going to have to do tshuva out of suffering and pain because that's what, look what I did, Hashem, I regret what I did. I'll come back, I have to suffer, I'll do it, Yella, And that causes even more difficulties for them the key for everyone is to serve Hashem there was someone who complained once that he went to when he used to go in by a certain grave of a tzaddik, he couldn't open up his heart, and he complained about it, he told another chassid, he said every time I come here I can't open up my heart, so he said to him because whenever you come, you start immediately with all your problems, you start, I have this, that that, that, he said instead of starting with your problems, why can't you just start thanking Hashem and being positive on the good giving thanks. And the attitude of giving thanks is so powerful, it's so powerful that afterwards your heart is really opened up. Okay, it works both ways. Sometimes a person is trying to be happy and it's not working and he's, he's being squeezed until he actually does cry out and then after crying out and releasing what was bothering him, he's able to be happy. And vice versa, the opposite also happens sometimes. That a person, when he works a lot on being Bismcha the Simcha activates his heart, that when he needs to have a broken heart, they say in Breast that we have an expression. Every day, 23 hours of the day, there's 24 hours in a day, 23 hours is Purim, and one hour is Yom Kippurim. You got that? Yom Kippur is Kippur, like Purim. Meaning what? 23 hours of the day, we're happy. I work on being happy and positive. And there's a time in the day to confess and to feel the pain of my sins, but there's no mitzvah to walk around all day long with that. That's for a time of the day, okay? Most people, what is it, but I'm going off a little, I'm sorry I'm going off, but this is so important to mention. Most people crash when they have a down, and at that point, they begin to feel guilty and everything. That's the wrong time to feel guilty. Because if now you're down, and you feel bad about yourself, it's only going to keep you down even more. What's needed is, yes, to act as if nothing happened. Yes, you pretend, but you're fooling yourself. I don't care. I have to fool myself now to get out of this situation when I'm in a good frame of mind. When I'm positive, then I'll confess. Then I'll feel bad about what I did and everything. But not now. Now when I'm down, forget it. When I'm down, I have to pretend as if nothing happened to start again. But if a person carries the guilt with him when he's down, forget it. It won't work. It won't work, okay? Let's go back to the, the the structure now. When a Jew does a mitzvah it causes momentum. The momentum gets his surrounding activated, being positive, beneficial for him and for everyone else. In other words, there's a push of advancement that people are interested in Hashem, people are interested in, serving, in, in coming back, people are interested in doing mitzvah. It's contagious, in other words. When that happens, when good is present in the world, this becomes a vessel, a cleave for bracha, blessing. Okay. Now, what is blessing? When you hear the word bracha, what most people think is bracha, to have parnasah, par- parnasah, okay, parnasah, right? <laughs> parnasah, okay. Children, breot, parnasah, okay. What's bracha? Most people that I have my health, that I have my children, and I have prosperity. The Zohar says wrong. The Tikkuni Zora says the real bracha is sechel, intellect. The real bracha is that you have experience and awareness of Hashem heightened. The Tikkuni Zohar opens the word up baruch. What is baruch? Bet, resh, vav, chaf. What's baruch? So the Tikkuni Zohar says baruch stands for the following four words. Birchot, rosh, the blessings of the mind the head <coughs> and that is the source for everything this is like the Gemara says in the Dari. it's not the exact wording it's also in Pirkei Avot if you have that if you have the knowledge of Hashem you lack nothing in life because wherever you turn you see Hashem in your life so what could be greater than that, and what's missing? If everywhere you turn you see Hashem in your life, that is the greatest blessing. You can choose, or a fancy schmancy mansion in Beverly Hills, and all the money you want, everything, but you don't see Hashem in your life. Or, to have a 50 meter little apartment in Yerushalayim, let's say, and <laughs> barely have bread and butter, but you see Hashem in every part of your life, what's the choice here? What are you looking for? and you're happy. The guy who has the not a little bit, he's so happy, and he's besimcha, and he's enjoying it, I'm mean, in Eretz Yisrael, whatever, okay? Or the guy who has, in Beverly Hills, what he has. Who has the better upper hand, okay? It, the, the bracha is in sechel. It can be that Hashem will make it that the bracha of the intellect will bring also wealth, like it was the case by Rabbeinu Kadosh, the one who wrote the Mishnayot. Rabbi HaKadosh, Kadosh was extremely wealthy. Rav Ashi, who wrote the Gemara, was extremely wealthy. Moshe Rabbeinu, who brought the Torah, he had a type of an, a precious stone called Saint Pirion, which he found in his tent while traveling in the desert, and he became very wealthy. Right. Psolet, psol, remember Psolecha, the Psolet, the, 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 Hashem uncovered Moshe's, Moshe Benu's eyes to dig in his tent in the, in, the, in the desert, and he found this expensive stone that from it were made the second tablets. The second tablets were made from the San Pirion, and what was chiseled out, Hashem told Moshe Benu it's for you, lecha. you keep the leftover. And the Gemara says, Misham, Ne'eshad Moshe, Moshe Benu became wealthy, extremely wealthy from this. They had wealth, but they had that. And the dot is what gave value to their wealth. Without that, without the dot, there's no value. Okay? So the main bracha is that a person has da'at. And Rabbi Nachman tells a person, if you are what's called a ba'al nefesh, a ba'al nefesh is a term used for someone who's more concerned of their ultimate life, their true purpose in life, than just the physical limitation. You have people who are concerned for this world, and there are people who are smarter, they're what's called a ba'al nefesh. They're concerned... And they look at the bigger picture of life. That my 120 years maximum in this world is part of a much, much bigger picture. And I'm looking at the bigger picture so I have a better focus of what I have to look for in life. So Rabbi Nachman (coughs) guides, he instructs a person, if you are a Baal Nefesh, if you are concerned about your bigger picture and the bigger picture of the world, so you will aim high for the bracha of Sechel. This is what King Solomon did. King Solomon was granted by Hashem, what do you want? I'll give you anything you want. And King Solomon told Hashem, I want the bracha of Sechel. I want wisdom. Right? The wisdom to, to discern, to, to come closer to you, to understand you, Hashem, to, to serve you much better. Hashem gave him that and automatically had everything else. Okay? So this is the bracha that comes down when a person now does the mitzvot b'simcha, his goal, his, uh, the, the, the the result, the repercussion is that he has the bracha of Sechel. Okay? So now once a person has this bracha called sechel intellect, it's natural, it's normal that such a person will want to advance and advance and advance and try to connect to Hashem at the highest level. The highest level for us of Hashem is called the light of the infinite one. Hashem is called the infinite one and that's the true light. In fact, all light that a person experiences in life, any light that you have is coming from the Ensof. Watch this. The word for light in Hebrew is Og. Og. Aleph, Vav, Resh. Aleph is one. Vav is six, that's seven. And Resh, 200, that's 207. Sof, the infinite light of Hashem, the infinite one. What's Ensof? Aleph is also one. Yud, ten. Nun 50. Samech is 60. Vav, six. Pays is 80. That's also 207. Hear that? Or is Gemacha Ainsof? Meaning what? That any time a Jew experiences light in their life, which means you have something giving you an ambition to a drive to advance, anybody, even Gentiles, anybody who has a drive to advance, it's coming from the infinite light. So it's the nature, Rabbi Nachman teaches, the nature of a person who's exposed to this light to run after it. Where do we see that by the way? We saw that in Kabbalat Torah, the receiving of the Torah at Har Sinai. Hashem warned Moshe Rabbeinu twice, Hagbele Ta'am. I'm warning you, Moshe Rabbeinu, when the Jews see this experience of me coming down on Har Sinai to give the Torah to the Jewish people, they're going to go nuts. They're going to see this light. The natural tendency of anyone who sees light they drop everything and they run to it. So I'm warning you, Moshe Rabbeinu, you have to put a fence around, and he told them twice, make sure you put the fence up, because they're going to go nuts, they're going to go crazy running after it. Okay? And they shouldn't. They're not allowed to run. Why? Pen yehersu. Lest they destroy their standing. What do you mean destroy their standing? Rashi explains, they will be, with, with the intensity of the light, <coughs> they'll just disappear. Okay? To going back to what we're saying, It's the nature of a person when he's exposed to light to run to it okay that cannot happen if now a jew follows the light with the intensity that it's there he will just disappear this is why hashem creates what's called setbacks in the wording of the kabbalah it's called the betisha a betisha is like a smack backwards boom you're pushed back in life but why I'm doing something good. I want to come close to Hashem. Is there anything wrong with that? I want to advance. I want to perceive Hashem at a higher level. Is something wrong with that? I'm doing something wrong? <laughs> you want me run right after money and lust and everything? I'm doing something good. I'm ready to do something good and you push me back? The answer is yes. Because if you keep on going forward, you will have what's called too much light and you will crash. or, Just like the famous expression is, too much oil <coughs> burns out the candle. Too much light. You know, words, there's too much fuel. The candle burns out. So too, if a person has too much intensity in their experience of Hashem, even in, the, in even holiness, a person can pass out, a person can fall and crash. So what Hashem does, he creates a barrier that as soon as a person gets close to this barrier, he's running to advance in life. To advance, they push him back purposely. This will determine, how the person takes this, will determine the success of a person to serve Hashem and to perceive Hashem at the highest of levels when a person is pushed back in life if he takes it right which means with joy and he's managing it he's taking it in I know this is part of the growth process, I know this is a stage for me to come closer to Hashem and he takes it okay, he's not saying oh look at this ten years ago I was such a tzaddik, I was getting up on time every morning for davening and I was so serious and I was watching my eyes and look at me now and I'm stuck I'm I'm totally absorbed in the internet and I have no calmness in the head, look where I am now the person is like negative about himself because he takes the, the smash down in the wrong way he begins to be too emotional this person gets trapped he falls rather what should be the attitude this is amazing i'm being pushed back because hashem loves me and this is the way i'm going to perceive him he explains rabbi nachman that when a jew push is pushed back and he takes it with simcha he creates nine vessels they're called in the kabbalah the tesha hechalot the nine vessels are created by the three parts of the brain the brain has what's called chokma, bina Da'at. The brain has three faculties. There's the faculty of absorbing the wisdom, and then there's the faculty of Bina, which is deduction, and then there's the combination of the both, which is called Da'at. And after, after you absorbed and you deduced, what's the conclusion? The conclusion is called Da'at, okay? Every person has all three functions. When you walk on the street and you buy something, there's a set time that you're using just the Chokhmah, there's a time using the Bina, time using the Da'at, where you have to deduce... Is it worth me, I'm, it's, they say it's 9.99, but now it's 4.99, if I buy four of them for the surprise, you have to use deduction, sometimes you have to use what's called bina, sometimes you use chokma, and then that. okay, I'm gonna buy it now like this, okay? Everyone, whether you know about it, it's subconscious, it's happening in, on its own, that you have all three. Everyone, at every stage, even when learning Gemara, learning Zohar, even in Torah, there's a part when you're learning a Gemara, you see what he's saying, what Rish Lakish says, what Rabbi Yohanan says, and there's a conclusion. You say, wait a second, what is he saying here, this and that. You're using also a chokhma absorbing the wisdom, using the deduction, and then you have the conclusion. It's every, type, every part of life you have that. In business, at home, in learning Torah, in your health matters, everything has these three areas. When a person is bounced back, okay, these three become intermingled. So it becomes three times three, creating the number nine. Because you have now nine combinations of these three, because they became intermingled. You have Chochmah bin Adad, Chochmah changes the the order and making nine different combinations, okay? When this is done properly, okay? When a person does this simcha, he's able to perceive Hashem at such a high level then even if he were to be stuck in the Beit Midrash for a million years learning Torah non-stop, he will not perceive what this person does. Which means, the greatness of Torah study is to enhance your capacity of your brain and your soul at the maximum, so that when you're pushed back in life, you begin to pursue Hashem at the highest of levels. So Torah study is needed, but on condition that you have a bounce back in life, because everybody has a bounce back at least people who are pursuing hashem there are people who are dead you're like you know in the hospital the person's alive he's dead okay so to a person who has a comfortable life unfortunately they're dead i'll give you an example of a story that actually happened about 100 years ago there was a guy he was a total amaritz. he knew nothing he knew nothing his name was Nahum nachum nachum schuster he knew nothing he only knew how to read the hebrew alphabet. When he had the siddur, he was able just to read. He had no idea what he's saying. He had no idea how to learn Torah. Nothing, nothing. Okay? He found out of this devotion called getting up at chatzot, getting up at midnight and crying over the destruction of the temple. And he started doing it. He started waking up every midnight. He went to the local Beit Midrash, to the women's section of the Beit Midrash, and he sat on the floor and he started saying Tikkun chatzot. He had no idea what he's saying, but he knew that it's crying over the Beit HaMikdash that was destroyed and Mashiach is not here. And he would do that every night. The same Beit Midrash that he was in, there were a group of Tamide Chachamim, big Torah scholars, that they had a good life. They were learning all day and learning into the night up to midnight. So they would finish learning at midnight. When they would go home, to, to, to go home after learning at midnight, they saw this Rav Nachum coming, coming to, to the Beit Midrash to do Tikkun Chatzot while they're leaving. They said to themselves, what's he doing? What's he doing coming I at mean, Let's see what he's doing. They went to see that he's doing Tikkun Chatzot. They started to crack up. This guy doesn't even know how to read doesn't know even out of bed doesn't know even mishnah basic torah and he's getting up at midnight that's for tzaddiki maybe big people who already accomplished and there's somebody let them cry over the Beit Hamikdash. what's this nobody crying over the Beit Hamikdash. so they couldn't hold it in they went to him they said Nachum, you know you're wasting your time why don't you go learn basics of the torah Go to like an Or Sameach program, whatever is the Torah. Go learn basic Torah. Get your art school book. And start learning your Chumash, Rashi, Mishnayot, Halacha. What do you what are you think at So he said to them something unbelievable. He said to them, listen. Listen to what you guys are telling me. I have nothing. Okay, you guys you guys have everything. You guys learn Torah all day. You guys learn Torah into the night. You guys don't need the Beit HaMikdash. You have, you have Gan Eden. I have nothing, <laughs> like you said, I have nothing, I can't even read, I need the Beit HaMikdash. They heard that, they said, whoa, what is he telling, are we, can, are we listening to what we're hearing? What is he telling us? We don't need the Beit HaMikdash, wait a second, do we really feel like that? Yes, we do feel like that. We feel comfortable in Galut, I have my Kolel program, my father-in-law is taking care of me, I have Gan I'm learning all day, all night, and everything's just fine and dandy, Do I miss the Beit HaMikdash? Is it missing in my life? No. And if now I've reached a perspective that I don't miss the Beit HaMikdash, could it be that my perspective is wrong? They woke up. These two guys, they went to him. They had a total change in their life because of a simple Nachum guy who was a Torah Maaretz, but he said a word of truth from the depths of their heart. To go back to what we were saying, you have people who are living in dead mode, even in the Torah, Chaseshalom. People who have everything comfortable even in the Torah and today as you can see with society and technology where we're holding it's very easy to be a Jew today, there's so many kosher products, we have the most Mahajin, the Mahajin of Tefillin, everything is done perfect, it's much more easier to be a Jew today than it was like 100 years ago 20 years ago, Sukkot are very much easier to build now, we can get access to the best Lulavim, the best Etrogim, everything is accessible, Shabbat is not so difficult we have air conditioning with this, timers crockpot it's easy, okay? But wait what second, what's my perspective? Am I striving? If I'm striving, then I'll have this up and then smash down. If I'm not striving, it won't take place. So going back to what we said, when a Jew now strives to come back to Hashem, he's pushed back, okay? Even if he's a Torah scholar and he's looking for the truth, he'll have this pushback. back. How he takes it with the Simcha will give him the, uh, the ability to perceive Hashem at the highest level, that even if we're learn Torah all day long, He won't perceive it. We see this in Halacha. The Al-Acha says, for example, when you see an old man, even a non-Jew old man, there's an obligation to respect Him, to stand up in front of Him, etc. Why? Because of what He passed through in life, and He's still around, He's still on His feet, He's eight years old, and He went through the challenges of life, He earns our respect. Why? Because there, like there's a famous expression, life itself is the biggest teacher of a person. The challenges that a person went through in life educate a person more than anything else. It's the, the living through, the life, which show, gives a person an advan- advantage over these young guys. These young people, they think they know everything and everything, but the old person, he's laughing at them. <laughs> Go through what we went through, and let's see how you think afterwards, right? This is the secret, that a person goes through what they went through, the experience. So to hear that a person with the challenges that he goes up and down, this is what builds his perspective, okay? What comes out of all this is how you ascend. This is the the top, the the theme of the class today. Will determine how you descend. If now your ascent is B'Simcha, which means that you value every stage, every good that comes your way. You're always saying, thank you, Hashem. I appreciate this. And I don't act, I deserve it, so let's go, let's go. Some people, there's too much good happening, and they have no yeshuvadah, they have no calmness of the mind, so they're always running to absorb, absorb, boleya. he wants to swallow and swallow and swallow up, and he doesn't take a second to appreciate what he has. Such a person, when he gets the bounce, he crashes. Why does he crash? Because there's no simcha in his life. Why is there no simcha in his life? Because his ascent wasn't done properly. What was done wrong in his ascent? There was no appreciation with joy so that when he got to this bounce back, he's advancing and everything. He did simcha, he did mitzvot simcha, but the simcha is always necessary to be there at every stage, not to forget where you came from. A person should never forget where he came from. Most people, you see, they're in Egypt, they got out, and what does the Torah say? Yeah. Then you forget where you came from. Our <laughs> person gets haughty. Look where you were, you were in Egypt yesterday, and now all of a sudden you're a big shot. Remember where you came from. That's the secret for uh, for success. That a person always keeps in mind hakaratatov, recognition of the goodness that Hashem gave to him. If a person maintains that attitude, when he faces the down, the descent, it's done properly. The descent is done with simcha. Number one, he sees the benefit of it. He sees that I'm only going to gain out of this. I'm going to go higher than I ever imagined, more than I can ever even imagine. So the ascent determines the descent. This is hinted to in this week's parsha, the opening pasuk. Re'e, anochi, noten, lifnechem hayom, beracha, uklala. Re'e, see, see, that I, I, Hashem says I am placing before you, beracha, uklala. Let's read the verse like this. Re'e is the gematria of two hundred and six. Rish is two hundred. Aleph one, he is five. Two hundred and six, plus one for the word Or, again Or re'e c si, light the ain sof also is Gemacha two hundred and seven. In other words, Hashem's infinite light is doing what re'e anochi lifneichem ayom. This infinite light is placing before you the bracha that we mentioned, the bracha, the blessings, uklala and curses. What curses? <laughs> what seems to be a curse? It can't be that Hashem sends a curse. Hashem is placing in front of you a blessing and a curse. Hashem places a curse in front of me. What's the curse? The curse is the bounce back. The average person or the person who is not pursuing or the person who is not happy always he takes the setbacks as a curse. Like we said, the person said, Oh, 10 years ago, I was such a tzaddik and everything. And look at my life now, just miserable and this and that. It's a curse. My life is a curse, right? So, it's a secret here. It looks like it's a curse, but it's not a curse. Bracha uklala, which can be read as like this. A bracha, which is in the klala, in the curse. It's a bracha, in the curse together. It's not a curse. It's really a blessing in disguise. How can I discern that it's a blessing in disguise if now I maintain the positive attitude? I maintain the simcha that is needed at every stage of our life. So Bizzat this was basically the class. This is the idea. It's phenomenal. What I wanted to get to now was the second stage of the class, okay? I want to introduce to all of you what's called the 40-day challenge. I want to challenge everyone with what's called the 40-day challenge. Everything I spoke about tonight is taken from one of Rabbi Nachman's most deepest, one of the most amazing lessons in his book called Likute Moran, it's lesson number 24, okay? How the book Likute Moran works is something which is very unique. It's a book that as you learn it, you begin to activate it. This is true for all Torah. That's true. When you learn Chumash, when you learn Gemara, the more Jews learning Torah, he shines the light of the Torah in his life. By this book, it's scary. It's very scary in that as you're learning it, it's coming to life in front of you. You don't have to be such a a, a, a genius, a rocket scientist. <laughs> My he's having a good eye. <laughs> all right? It, it, uh, you don't have to be a rocket scientist in order to... Uh, to uh, to understand, it's okay and it's good. You're, you're yeah, you're having your nine nine chambers. I'm happy. <laughs> it's okay. No problem. Okay. The I'm going back is a very it's special in that as you learn it, you begin to see things. It's like 3D. It comes to life. It comes to life. And when you are learning about these ideas of the Simcha and everything, and all of a sudden in your life. You're seeing things happening and you 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 can it's you have to be stupid not to see that it's connected to what you're learning. It's directly connected to what you're learning. It's something phenomenal, something unbelievable. But it's not enough. It's not enough. I want a change. It's great, okay, you tell me that it wakes up and I'm seeing all these things, but I want to see a change in my life. It's like, for example, a person, God forbid, has a wound, a very scary wound on his arm, let's say, chas shalom, and he goes to buy the expensive medication. The medication costs like 500 bucks. And he finally buys the medication. So he says, Wow, I got the medication! I got the medication! But you idiot, if you don't apply it on the wound, it doesn't. you have the medication, you got it, but you have to apply it to where it needs to be applied. So there's two stages. There's waking up these tikkunim, these rectifications, which is what this book, Likruti Moran, does. And the follow-up stage is davening about it. It's a concept called La asot mitorot Tfilot. This concept we find by the Chumash itself. The, the Gemara says the Chumash has five books, the five books of Moses. Bereshit, Corresponding to them, King David wrote Chamisha Sifrei Tehilim. The Tehilim has five books. Why does Tehilim? Why did King David, with the ten tzaddikim who helped him, write? the t- five books of the Tehillim why five? because they are the prayers on the Chumash, on the five books of Moses what does that mean? that King David struggles and his prayers <speaking in Hebrew> all the crying of David the Melech in Tehillim Is to fulfill what's written in the five books of the Chumash, all the mitzvot and the and the fulfillment of the Torah. Even Bereshit has mitzvot, as we know. Bereshit Shmot VaYikra. Every book has mitzvot in them. Okay. David Admelach's cries is to fulfill what's written in the five books of the Chumash. So too, the the only other book in Judaism that has prayers written on them is this book by Rabbi Nachman. Yes, this book Likutim Oran has prayers written by his disciple, Rabbi Natan, called Likutei Tfilot. These prayers, I guarantee you, they're prayers that you've never seen in your life. It's not just like my daily Shacharit and Minchan Arvit and teilim. These prayers literally open you up, cut your heart open. They open you up to really express what's inside of you. So each lesson in Likutei Moran has a corresponding prayer. The lesson activates these things in your life, And the prayer on the lesson directs the medication, the spiritual medication, to the right address. We put together a 40-day challenge. 40, that was last week's parasha. Why the number 40? The number 40 is always used in Chazal, because that's the 40 days that Moshe Rabbeinu took to convince Hashem to forgive the Jewish people for the golden calf. It took 40 days, right? The the golden calf took place on Yud the 17th of Tammuz. Moshe Rabbeinu broke the, the, the tablets, he went up on the 18th, and he begged Hashem for 40 days to forgive the Jewish people. On Rosh Chodesh Elul, which is coming up this week, Bezat Hashem, Hashem said, Salachti you. I forgive the Jewish people according to your words and your prayers. Now we start the new 40 days to receive the second tablets. The number 40 is unique in Judaism, and that whenever you want to try to accomplish something, work at it for 40 days. Don't try to expect an immediate change. Use the number 40. So they say, Davening for something 40 days moves something. move something in life. When you desperately need something, you daven for it for 40 days. You might see the change. And if you don't, you will see something else in life changing because of those prayers. Even though you were davening, Hashem, giving my zivu, my zivu, zivu, 40 days of davening, 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 and nothing moved. But something else in life did and we needed these prayers for that other thing. I did the challenge. Huh? Say what? I did the challenge. He did I the did challenge. Ten times to get to my wife. Hey, hey. <laughs> <laughs> It didn't work the first time. It took a long time. Okay, but we're going on a higher level now. I, I present to now. you the okay. 40-day <laughs> challenge. We prayed. We, we, we prepared two PDF files. One PDF file is the whole lesson 24. But because the lesson is too deep for the Kutiemurun, you have to be very experienced and have a background in the whole Torah to understand Rabbi Nachman when he writes in Likud Timuran because whenever he makes a statement he brings immediately a Pasuk to prove it or a Gemara or a Zohar or a Midrash to, to back it up. Okay? Because of that, Rabbi Nachman told his disciple, I know my book is difficult. I want you to collect all the practical points from each lesson. It's called the abridged Likud Timuran, the Kitsu Likud Timuran. We prepared a PDF file with the whole lesson in Hebrew. And in English in order to activate it in your life with the prayer the entire prayer in Hebrew and in English plus another PDF file of a 40-day challenge chart what to say every day for 40 days again this recurring going it over and over again will move something you will see a change if you're sincere and honest in doing it you actually see a, a change please be in touch with me for this PDF file it's available to everybody i know where it's a, it's a sheer but you can contact me on email breast of therapy b-r-e-s-l-o-v therapy this is this is mamasha therapy by the way this is literally the therapy of the neshama so it's breast of therapy at gmail.com or by whatsapp i hope you're writing this down seven three two the number is on the page there seven three two eight hundred one eight six three i will i will post it also Wish we should be so to work so much on the simcha when this is done properly. Ki be simcha te tzehu, Mashiach will come through our simcha be